passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting. The 18 that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. And we are live with Rewind Raw. I am John Pollock along with. One take ting. Hello, way. What's going on, John? How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing solid. Solid. Okay, that's a new one. Did you get up to anything uh, this Monday? It was very nice out today. No. Um. Well, yeah, actually, I went um ring shopping with my fiance, like um engagement ring shopping. I we all probably put that. Uh, together, uh, I imagine you were not getting like a eighteen by eighteen structure for your backyard. I did, yeah. Well, you you know rings. Some people show love in various ways. Yeah, possible. Well, uh, did did you get a ring, or were you just observing and looking? I got a ring because, like, I mean, I already got her engagement ring. Actually, when I when I. I got her wedding band um, when I got the engagement ring, so right. I didn't have to pick pick for her. If for, but for me, like, I'm like, I don't have a preference for this shit. Like, I don't, I just want a piece of metal. Like, it doesn't even have to be, you know, like gold or like they're telling me about like carrots, and I'm like, I don't, I don't care. I mean, like the one carrot thing. Like, I, I've I've had no like I don't like it could just be like it means nothing. <laughs> well, it means a lot to me, but like the carrot and all that stuff. Like, that's pretty meaningless to me. So anyway, um, but we did eventually choose a ring. It could be, but it took like 15 minutes. Like, took no time. Yeah, I had a similar experience. I went, yeah. I, I got one. I, I was not a ring wearer. So my wife said, wear it for three months. If you hate it, you don't have to wear it. And I I, I enjoyed it. I Like, it wasn't really, I thought it was going to be very uh, intrusive having this thing. To, like, I don't wear a watch. I don't wear rings. I don't wear anything. So I thought it was just going to be this clumsy single thing that, that I've, I've got. clip out, Brandon. Well, he's retired, remember? He's moved on. Um, so, so what, it doesn't get in, like, when you wash your hands, like, all that stuff, do you take it off? It's really not any kind of, um, it's not noticeable at all. In fact, I, I kind of like that, you know, it's something that you can just, you know, you're, you're bored, you can twist something i don't know it's like it's okay. it's there it's really i i thought it would be more of a uh of a hang-up to be be wearing it so we made the deal that i'll wear it for three months and it was it was fine so g- give it a try so what, like what occasion would you actually take it off i only took it off when i would do jujitsu wow interesting cool that was okay it. yeah 
Because cool. I, re- I remember hearing stories that I, I would roll with it. And they told me, like, there have been stories of, like, like bad injuries of people wearing rings while they're rolling. And I did not want to have that in the back of my mind as I was rolling with people. So I would just leave my ring and take it off for jujitsu. Right. Okay, but other well, than that, I good, just I just wear it. That's a good tip. All right. Well, I'll let you know how, how it is at some point. I went running today. Did you really? Wow. Are you a runner? Uh, I'm going to try to be. Wow. Okay. Awesome. Well, uh, first of all, like, what made you decide and how did you enjoy it? The weather. It's been cold as hell and I've been stuck in this basement for the entire winter and it was so nice out. I was like, okay, I want to go running, so I'm going to do it. So I finished my update and I went and I ran for like half an hour. It was fun. I enjoyed it. Felt very refreshed afterwards. Very nice. It gave me a lot of energy. To be honest, like no kidding, I had so much more energy tonight during Raw because I had uh, gotten out and at least uh, ran for a bit. Some endorphins. This might might be my new Monday ritual to prepare for Raw. That's fantastic. Awesome. I'm I'm starting to, I'm starting to, uh, I got to get in WrestleMania shape. So that weekend, it's going to be, I'm going to need something. Yeah. Well, keep us updated. I, I will. Minute by minute. Okay, we've got a uh, few things to go over. I want to talk a bit about the uh, the schedule first. Off the top, uh, I want to start with post-podcast day because we're counting down. The real highlight of the wrestling fans calendar in April is post-podcast day on Sunday, April the 3rd. Uh, if you have not been aware, we are going live at noon Eastern that day. This will be open to all members at all levels of the post-wrestling cafe. So if you're thinking of joining uh, the cafe for all of our WrestleMania coverage and other events that we will be doing that week. Uh, sign up at the beginning of the month. You will get access to post podcast day. Six live shows, including a live ask away with myself. And you won't guess it way who will be with me for the hour taking your questions. We are also going to have the British wrestling experience, Martin Bushby and Benno with a history of WCW in Europe up next, Braden and Davey going through the worst WrestleMania matches ever, ever of all time. And the Nubian wrestling advocates, Nate Milton, Andrew Thompson, Chris from L.A., they're hinting that we might get some surprise guests on the show. They will be live with a show and joining joining the fray. We have two more announcements coming this week. The first being a live edition of Turned Out a Punk with Damian Abraham, guest to be announced. Uh, Damian will be live for an hour. A live edition of Turned Out a Punk. This is very exciting. This is somebody, I mean, you know, typically we, we uh, I guess we, we were intending on having everybody who is uh, po- po- part of the post-wrestling network, and obviously Damian Abraham is, but I don't know how much of our audience is necessarily familiar with his own podcast, Turned Out a Punk. This is almost like a multiverse uh, type of situation here where we have a sampling of Damian's show where he uh, talks to various people about uh, their histories with uh, punk music or just like, you know, uh, I guess music sometimes in general. Uh, but what people may not be aware is that he's had several wrestlers on his podcast talking about their history with punk music. So uh, I'm very excited to find out who this might be. Um, it probably won't be Robbie Brookside. Can we rule him out? Uh, I don't think it'll be Robbie Brookside. Um, maybe maybe he'll bring back Bill Hader, who he just had on his show. We will see. Wow. I mean, the guy the guy is getting into A-list territory on Turned Out a Punk, but he will be with us live for post-podcast day. And Wednesday, 
on Rewind to Dynamite, we will announce the post-podcast day headliner. Who's going to be main eventing post-podcast day? We will reveal that on Wednesday. So look out for that Saturday, April the 3rd. But that is that is weeks away. Coming up this week, another monster schedule. We have a lot coming up. We've got uh, our big review of Creed coming out on Tuesday. Way and I are now moving into 2015. We're down to the the final rounds of the Rocky series. We're now into the spinoff territory with a spinoff that was very well received six years ago. Uh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, you know, for those disappointed, uh, don't worry. After this movie, we will talk about uh, every Creed album, starting with um, what the what's the name of the first one? Uh, Human Clay. Human Clay. Very good. Excellent. I was going to say In My Arms or some, something like that. I don't know if Human <laughs> like Clay a, is their first one. You know, I think we should get Damien to host a Turn Out a Creed fan like edition for post-podcast. Day. It's, not too, it's not too many bands that can say our performance was so poor that there was a class action lawsuit against us for the uh, performance that we put for, forward. <laughs> okay, well... Uh, anyway, we, you know, maybe we all have some Creed talk in there, but we were talking about, of course, uh, as John mentioned, the 2015 movie starring Michael B. Jordan, directed by Ryan Coogler, uh, Creed. I, I, I just watched it this afternoon. I forgot how good this thing was. Um, I, I'd love to know where you rank it amongst the Rocky movies. So can't wait to dive into this one. I'm not telling you now. I'll tell you on Tuesday. So look out for that. The Creed review. Uh, we've got our regular slate of shows Wednesday night with Up Next and Rewind to Dynamite, along with John Cena on the Up Next feed with Shot in the Dark. Thursday, a fun day at Post Wrestling. We will have Bushby and Thompson's Wrestling Adventure as they are going back to the classic TakeOver Dallas event from April of 2016. Maybe one of the greatest entrances in WWE history as Shinsuke Nakamura debuted against Sami Zayn in Dallas. Well, that's very exciting. And you know what? Just as exciting. March rolling deals continue at StartupPostWrestling.com. And this week, we are going to profile Bushby and Thompson's wrestling adventure with 25% off of the British uh, Bushby and Thompson wrestling adventure t-shirt. Not just for patrons, but for everybody. Everyone. Right now. Everybody. StartupPostWrestling.com. This week, only 25% off of that shirt. Support our friends at Bushby and Thompson's Wrestling Experience, uh, Wrestling Adventure. Damn, but there's a lot of shows. Also on Thursday, I'm going to do a, a preview of UFC 260 and go over all the latest MMA news with not one but two former colleagues, James Lynch and Cody Saftik, who will be with me. Uh, and then we go into the weekend, which will include a UFC 260 post show, the latest MCU Later with Wei Ting and WH Park for patrons. And we'll also have a bonus post-Pro-Res show this weekend with WH Park and Joey Bay, who will be with him. So lots of great stuff up at the post office this week for cafe and non-cafe members alike. Very exciting. Go check all of that out at postwrestling.com. We'll now move into the news. And uh, first of all, uh, so earlier tonight, it had been reported by John Elba at Spectrum Sports 360 that the WWE, their final day at Tropicana Field will be Friday, April the 2nd, which is a week from Friday. And I was able to uh, confirm this on my own, and it sounds like they are going to be taping 
a ton of stuff next week before they get out of Tropicana Field. This will include the go-home episodes of Raw and SmackDown going into WrestleMania. So um, this will include uh, as well, this had previously, previously been reported by Fightful that the Hall of Fame would be taped next week as well. So next week's schedule. On Monday, they will do Raw like usual. On Tuesday, March 30th, they're going to tape the following week's Raw going into Mania, as well as the first Hall of Fame taping. Then on Thursday, April 1st, they're taping an episode of SmackDown and the second night of the Hall of Fame. And then Friday, April 2nd, they are doing SmackDown. So uh, it sounds like Friday, April 2nd, will be a live SmackDown, meaning they're going to be taping out of order and the go-home SmackDown will actually be done the day prior. So that's a little uh, confusing to pull off. Uh, but nonetheless, it's a it's a massive taping schedule that they have next week. Uh, but I guess the positive is that WrestleMania week, like, it's busy enough. And you're eliminating the need to have to do Raw and SmackDown on the Monday and Tuesday. And you can focus on, you know, your NXTs both nights and whatever else is going on WrestleMania week. But that will... Wrap up WWE's residency at Tropicana Field on April 2nd. So that means um, the Raw after WrestleMania and really right into the next week, they'll be at a completely different venue. Yeah, and I don't know where that's going to be. Uh, I know that uh, John Alba and Dave Meltzer have talked about the fact that um, uh, what's the name of the place in uh, the Tampa area that is the front runner for all of this um but that's not confirmed that that is the place yet that it is at least uh rumored to be where they could end up but we will see uh but they're gonna have to have a plan for the night after wrestlemania which i'm sure they are finalizing if not already have lined up yeah that turnaround's got, got to be crazy i mean for the next couple weeks for this crew yeah the uh yungling center that's the place that is believed to be um, who they've been engaging in talks with. Yung so that's it, it's in it's uh, formerly the Sun Dome at the University of South Florida. So that is where they could end up. Uh, moving on, Charlotte Flair tonight announced why she has been off TV, uh, and that is because she is at home with COVID. And I think that this um, shedding some light into where she had been. This had kind of ramped up over the weekend because the new promotional material that she had originally been on for WrestleMania, her image had been taken off. And what was interesting is that you hear this news and you're wondering, well, if they're taping Raw next Monday and Tuesday, uh, could she be back in time? And then Andrade tonight said that she will be clear in four days. So kind of like piecing all this together, but... I mean, based on tonight, it would seem, I mean, if she's going to be clear within four days, um, certainly she could be woven back into the WrestleMania plans. But, um, I mean, no, they did bring her name up tonight on Raw. So I guess we will see based on next week. uh, It would seem very strange not to have Charlotte part of WrestleMania if she's, in fact, cleared by then. Well, first, thank you, Andrade, for uh, providing that bit of news for for everybody. Um, well, listen, maybe gotta... maybe that's going to be Andrade's landing spot. Is going to be oh, a, maybe he wants to be a reporter here with us. <laughs> Why not? The door's open, definitely. Um, uh, f- four days, yeah. Do you think she will figure into anything at WrestleMania? I mean, obviously, if she's available, you would think so. But in I a think it's very. Match? I think it's a very easy insert that, I mean, <laughs> tonight's setup was uh, Rhea Ripley showing up and pointing to a sign. So I don't think they have to do cartwheels to figure out a way to insert her into that match. Um, 
if if she's available, which if she is next week, they, you would have to shoot the angle because they've got to shoot all their TV uh, next week. Unless you wanted to get creative and do something on on SmackDown, which would be done later in the week. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, that's that's what's going on with, with Charlotte. But I guess just giving a, an update on where she has been. Uh, anything we kind of touched upon this on Sunday, but I mean, Andrade did officially get his release from WWE and did issue a statement today thanking Triple H, William Regal, and Paul Heyman uh, for their help over the years. And now becomes the interesting game of where he ends up. And the fact that Thea Trinidad is also available makes that, uh, to me, a really uh, attractive group to put back together whoever is seeking these talents. Oh, 100%. I mean, you know, um, I think she she was already a hot commodity, but has become obviously even more so with his uh, release. And the two of them, I hope, you know, enter a, a promotion as a package. Um, not too many other thoughts other than the fact that it was kind of strange, the order of events, you know, that took place for this to happen with them not releasing him. And then a few days later, uh, deciding to release him. Uh, definitely kind of makes you wonder what sort of negotiation took place in between that time um, and whether or not this sort of, you know, these sort of demands will be listened to uh, if other talents were to, you know, ask. Yeah, I think that, you know, you look at some talent that are not being no utilized. Sorry? No non-compete, correct? Yeah, that is that is what the Wrestling Observer reported today. The fact that he has no non-compete, which is really interesting that they would waive that for him because WWE, you know, by, you know, by the standard WWE contract would have that ability to have a 90 day, no compete. And without one, like literally the guy could show up on dynamite on Wednesday night. So he probably has a great agent. Uh, well, anyway, he got, he got what he was wanted. Uh, by the way, for dynamite this week, Tony Khan announced right at the end of raw, not that he was on raw, but on Twitter after raw, that, Wednesday, they've added Young Bucks and Brandon Cutler against Phoenix, Pentagon, and Laredo Kid returning. Very exciting. So that's yeah. a that's a pretty hot match for Wednesday that they have for the uh, for the live Dynamite. SmackDown ended up doing a bit of a disappointing number given how they had built up Edge's first match in ten years. They were going against the NCAA basketball tournament. They did two million ninety three thousand viewers, second lowest of the year. And a 0.57 in the 18 to 49 demographic. So um, tied for their fourth lowest demo of the year. In Canada, they did just over 181,000 viewers. Um, but uh, the fact that, yes, you know, basketball was going on. That's that's a key, you know, sports competition that they're dealing with. But I, I would say that that was a disappointing number for a big match. You had a week to promote with Edge. Yeah, um, you know, what do you pin that on? Is it just the game or or do you put it on edge? I mean, we go back and I I think that it's one where I wouldn't have expected it to be that low. I thought I think they would have I thought that number would have somewhat I thought edge wrestling would have somewhat offset what they had that night uh, to deal with. And the fact that, well, we'll also see this week because basketball is continuing. And if they do a better number this week coming off the pay-per-view, I think that that shows you that it was more so a lack of interest in what they had to provide rather than basketball being an excuse. And if 
SmackDown is hurt further this week, I guess you can put a little more on basketball. But I, I still look at it like if you have a big match people want to see, it should, you know, at least for that quarter, be interesting to see how, how the match actually performed and advertising all week that he was going to be wrestling, unlike the Orton match back the night after the Rumble where they just announced it at the beginning of the show and didn't have that lead time to advertise in advance. Uh, and then the last thing we have the Sakura Genesis lineup and, uh, we have, uh, the usual fare on the undercard, uh, I guess notable that the great Okan and Jeff Cobb will have X. So it looks like a new member of the United empire against Tetsuya Naito, Shingo Takagi and Sonata. And then the top matches will feature Kota Bushi and Will Ospreay, El Desperado and Yoshinobu Kanemaru defending the junior heavyweight tag titles against the reformed Rapongi 3K with Yo returning. And then we got uh, Tanahashi and Satoshi Kojima against Jay White and Bad Luck Fale. And uh, the rest, some multi-person tags underneath. Uh, I wouldn't say an overwhelming card that they have booked for Sumo Hall. It's really built around the main event. Um, a bit of a mystery as to who joins the United Empire. And maybe shooting some angles for May because they have some big buildings that they are running in May. Yeah, certainly. Um, you know, outside of the main event and really finding out who this new member of the United Empire is, I, I don't really, you know, my interest level in some of these cards isn't really so huge. Um, and I really wonder if it's just like a lack of maybe fresh faces lately within the the roster that's contributing to that. But um, who do you think it is that's joining the group? I mean, it's been thrown out there about, like, Toa Hanare is teasing that he is leaving Japan. I think a lot of people are looking at that, that he is he is geared for that push, and joining a faction would seem like the natural um, evolution for, for that character. Like, I can't think of anyone else that would make sense to, to join the group. Mm-hmm. I certainly, like, I'd, I've been looking forward to him turning heel for a long, long time. And, you know, uh, being a, one of four people within a, this brand new stable, I think, would would just be fantastic for him. So I hope it is him. Uh, and the final thing is uh, Janichiro Tenaru. Uh, we want to mention this uh, was hospitalized uh, on Friday. He's dealing with congestive heart failure and it was noted in um, like his website put out a, a statement and indicated it is not life threatening, but certainly when you hear something like that and given his age, it's, it's going to be concerning, especially when it's uh Dealing with the heart, but uh, certainly Tenru, a enormous legend in Japanese wrestling history and wrestled up until just over five years ago with that farewell match with Kazuchika Okada. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, uh, obviously we wish him the best. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully it's a um, it's a it's a full recovery for uh, Jinichiro Tenru. All right, let us go to Raw, a pretty busy edition of the show as they are rapidly getting the WrestleMania card into gear now that Fastlane is uh, officially over. Mm-hmm. Bobby Lashley and Sheamus started off the show with a non-title match, and Sheamus was selling all the effects of the no-holds-barred match and was suddenly thrust into this babyface position against Bobby Lashley. And Benjamin and Alexander would appear ringside, and she- uh Benjamin clotheslines Sheamus behind the referee's back. Sheamus then fires away in his big comeback, hits a flying clothesline to the floor on Lashley, another inside. Brogue kick misses when Alexander slides in, leading to Lashley hitting a spine buster and applying the hurt lock, submitting Sheamus 
in 11 minutes and 37 seconds. Thought it was a good heavyweight TV match, as you know these two have been providing recently on Raw. I think Lashley continues to look really good, really dominant, very beast-like. So uh, that was all positive. What I found interesting was just everything they were doing. You know, uh, continuing, uh, really developing a rift. I would say at this point between Shelton and Cedric with the rest of the Hurt business. In the past, it's been like they've been really hot and cold with like Cedric. And, you know, whether or not he's sort of like a rebellious renegade member of the Hurt Business, they were really for a long time teasing that he would be the one to get kicked out. And now it looks like they are including Shelton into that as well. So uh, I definitely found that part of the storytelling somewhat interesting because, like, the story here is that Lashley doesn't want cheating. Um, And what what do you make of that? Do you think that it is any indicator of whether or not they have plans for him to turn babyface after perhaps, you know, this Drew match? Or was it simply, you know, them like hit his ego, not wanting people to think that he's he needed help? Well, all of that makes sense if you believe he's turning babyface, that he wants to win on his own. But then the guy puts up a bounty for the locker room to take out Drew McIntyre. So that kind of yeah. negated any um, moral compass that Bobby Lashley was displaying early on here. So, yeah, Alexander and Benjamin are continuing to attack when Drew runs out to save Sheamus and ends up having the face-off with Lashley. And McIntyre is trying to goad him into fighting. And MVP gets in the way, telling Lashley to think about business and backs off. And then backstage, this is when Lashley blows up on Alexander and Benjamin. And MVP says that you tarnished the image of Lashley. It was an embarrassment when you lost the tag titles and therefore an embarrassment to Lashley and asks, what are you two going to do about it? And throughout the show, they were definitely emphasizing like the cracks in the Hurt Business, which, man, this is not a group I think has had their their run that you would want to end things unless you're looking post mania, which is three weeks away and Bobby Lashley potentially coming out of that show at at least teasing more of a baby face role. And this is beginning to break him away from uh, her business. I definitely think they, you know, there was something to be accomplished with every, all three of the members having belts. You know, the moment Lashley won uh, and, you know, you had the tag belt on Shelton and Cedric, I think like really um, amplifying like the fact that this was a stable that was taking over the WWE or at least on the Raw side, that I think was a missed opportunity that they didn't capitalize on. Like it felt like, you know, really like a week later or two weeks later, they just took the belts right off of the, the Cedric and, and Shelton. Um, and now it looks like they might even be soon to break up which would be somewhat unfortunate, but I do wonder... Um, it would not be good for Alexander and Benjamin oh, if be, this, oh this my group God. breaks up. Like, they, they would be in that locker room with that crew. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, yeah, I, I just kind of found very peculiar, you know, like, throughout this entire show, it felt like they were very much teasing Lashley going babyface. He doesn't want cheating. He's a fair champion, and he exercised, I thought, incredible willpower in the end here, not, uh, you know, attacking... Drew McIntyre, uh, but that of course would be inconsistent with later on. Oscar uh, versus Peyton Royce, another non-title match. They aired Royce's promo from two weeks ago on Raw Talk, challenging Oscar. And I thought Peyton Royce had a very good performance in this match. This was mm-hmm. a big opportunity for her to go eleven minutes with Oscar. 
she did this uh, she applied this ankle lock and then did a bridge that Oscar kicked free from Oscar uh, hit her with a spinning back fist and then missed with the hip attack and gets her neck snapped as they go through the break Oscar hits a German shining wizard only gets a two count and Royce then catches Oscar lifts her up in like a, a gory special and then drops her and Royce can only get a two count. Uh, she lifts up Oscar. The Oscar lock gets countered. Spin kick misses, and Oscar hits the code breaker. Royce comes back with a double foot stomp, and she continues to only get two counts. She's getting frustrated, and she tries to do the roll through into the half crab, but that's countered to an arm bar. Oscar moves to the Oscar lock and submits Peyton in eleven minutes and eleven seconds. But I thought that Peyton Royce. Uh, Used her opportunity very well here and to go out and do an 11-minute match with Asuka. And I thought that they like they did a fine job here, um, the two of them. Might have been the best I've seen Peyton Royce. You know, you can clearly tell she's been working on a lot of these technic- technical sequences in her spare time. And um, had a chance to display him here against probably the best technical wrestler within the division. So um, I have no idea, like why she's been used the way she's been used over the past year. You know, you you figure they broke up that team for a reason and there appeared to be absolutely none. Um, she went from being in a pretty popular tag team to not really having much of a singles run to not being utilized on Raw at all. So I wish I could say like I felt I felt I would feel differently for her future after this, but um like something tells me Vince doesn't care that much whether or not somebody is like you know, like gotten better technically in the ring. I, I just, I just don't, I don't know what he looks for. It's like, that's the million dollar question, isn't it? Good job, Peyton. That was, that was three and a quarter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Well, with that, uh, Peyton moved on and Rhea Ripley appeared on raw. She has finally found the Thunderdome after two months and she confronts Oscar says that Charlotte Flair isn't here because she's recovering from COVID. And therefore, she is challenging Asuka to a match at WrestleMania. I was a little surprised at how like casually it was mentioned. I mean, of course, it's not the first time they've um, announced that a talent had COVID on air. Uh, Drew, I believe, you know, being the first. Uh, but I, I think it was they- pretty clear that they were certainly not blindsided by Charlotte announcing that, that this was a coordinated announcement that Rhea was reacting. Like Charlotte announced this at the beginning of the show. It was, you know, we're mm-hmm. like a half hour or so into Raw. But I liked how casual it was. You know, to me, it's not a, a topic that needs to be hidden or danced around. Um, at this point, it's it's like an injury report. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone realized that from the get-go, that there was not this negative uh, connotation with, with COVID. A lot of people have had it, but, I mean, we we know that it was not well-received when Renee decided to announce this. Yeah, they at least seem to have changed, maybe. So, um, just like that, um, I guess Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke, they're still off proving Charlotte that they deserve this title match. Well, who knows what all that was all about? You know, I mean, I, saw- I'm sure whatever they had planned with Charlotte at all, all those plans fell apart. Yeah. So with Charlotte and, not available. And, you know, I'm not really upset about it. I think, you know, this Rhea Ripley Oscar match is the best match they could have possibly made anyway. And, you know, at this point, why yeah, three weeks, three weeks out, why kind of dance around the issue? Just tell us what match we're going to get, especially if you're trying to sell tickets for it. 
Yeah, I mean this this is the blueprint for future uh, call ups. Like how don't worry about winning the rumble. That's a lot of work. Just yeah. you know, get a surprise appearance and then just wait. Wait until the last minute when the champion needs an opponent and just be be the one there to make that challenge. So there you go. Rhea Ripley gets the title match just because she asked for it. Bet you all the other women in the back are kicking themselves to know that that's all it required. It is true. Like, I mean, they could have easily done some sort of gauntlet match and had a surprise appearance from Rhea winning at the end or something like that. Battle Royal, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, maybe some some reason why she's getting the match would, would have been nice. But I guess I, I, I'm at the point now where I don't even ask those questions because I just don't expect it. Here's the other question with Charlotte out. Who would you even like who's even been built up that you would put against Rhea just to beat tonight that would be someone just at, at that that stature to be a believable opponent for Asuka? I like Shane and Nia, that's about it. Sorry, you mean who would Rhea like, beat? Like if tonight to you were gonna make shot? a match for Rhea Ripley to beat someone, mm-hmm. who would that opponent I, be that you would take as like has been built up to any degree to be a championship contender? There's no singular person. I mean, besides Nia, but Shayna and Nia don't seem to be, you know, in that division right now. So I think it would have to be some sort of like gauntlet match or, or battle royal, something, you know, uh, encompassing the entire division. Adam Pierce was backstage with Drew and said that Benjamin and Alexander want a handicap match. And Pierce does not want to sanction this. But Drew notes it probably wouldn't be sensible to do this so close to Mania. But how about this? If I beat them... They are banned from ringside at WrestleMania. And Pierce loves this idea. Yeah. That's great. Guys won't get a Mania payoff then. Be less less to pay out that night. The WrestleMania edition of Miz TV followed, and the Miz and Morrison were out. They ran down Bad Bunny, having zero respect for the Miz, who listed off all of his accolades. And he shows... The source of controversy, the WrestleMania poster. And not only was Charlotte Flair not on this poster, neither were The Miz or John Morrison. But who was on the poster? Bad Bunny. As Miz called this, the most significant poster of the year. Well, what the else most significant poster of the year. <laughs> is there a more significant poster? Um... The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I mean, he said he didn't say wrestling poster. He said any poster. I mean, this is announcing any news this year that you would do so in poster form. So this is the most important one. And they recap the guitar attack last week. And Miz sends out a warning to all musicians, actors, and sports stars that think they can do what they do and try to walk all over them. So next week, Morrison and Miz are going to premiere their new diss track, Hey, hey, hop, hop. And before they play the clip, Morrison says, do you know what the opposite of a bad bunny is? A good rapper. Yeah, pretty funny. Well, then they played this preview. I think this thing looks great. (laughs) I think this is going to be really funny next week. (laughs) It's got a ton of John Morrison rapping in Spanish, and that alone, I think... This was like a really... Like, it was obvious, like, these two put a lot of thought into this. And it was like, dude, it was like a catchy, corny beat. I thought it was like, this will be very funny next week. This would be another case where, like, if there were live audiences, full live audiences for every single show. Like, I wonder if the audiences, how they would react um, to Bad Bunny and the Miz. Well, how about this? Will the audience... 
be singing this song at WrestleMania when they have the match. Like, if this is a catchy tune, mm-hmm. like, hey, hey, hop, hop, I could see the crowd yeah. getting into that. Possibly. But I also don't know how, like, a dispersed, you know, even though it's 25,000, I don't know how a dispersed 25,000 would sound in at a stadium. Yeah, it's a good question how that sound will, will travel in a open-air stadium. Miz says next time, uh, the, that next week will be the last time you hear of Bad Bunny. He says this, this track is going to put his career away like he's Vanilla Ice, and then he challenges Bad Bunny to a match at WrestleMania, promising to end Bad Bunny's career. Were you surprised that this was a singles and not a tag? I was because I think everyone was expecting the tag match. And I mean, it doesn't mean they can't change it to a tag match, but the graphic that they put out later was very clear with Damian Priest in one corner, John Morrison in the other. And I just thought from the get go, the whole point of this is okay, Bad Bunny is your celebrity, but Damian Priest needs to reap the benefits of that connection. That, and frankly, I think you would want him and Morrison to be in this match. Um, for just you know quality purposes. I mean, I I think they they really will. Like they'll have plenty of presence in the match. They'll probably get involved a whole lot. Um, and so there was no Damian know. Priest on the show tonight. So it could have just been something where he wasn't available tonight, and they can't shoot the angle till he's there. And then you Possibly. insert him. But I can also see them thinking that you know a singles match with Bad Bunny versus the guy on the reality show who used to be on MTV. That might garner maybe more headlines than just kind of like, you know, um, I don't know, adding more names to it. Um, Maybe it's more attractive than just a tag team match, perhaps. I'd say anyone covering this, it's like Bad Bunny's wrestling. I think that's the novelty. Um, I mean, you can go either way. I mean, certainly you would expect Priest and Morrison will be involved. So, I mean, It, it tells me they have a lot of confidence in Bad Bunny and his wrestling. Well, maybe, yeah, maybe they have they have high hopes for him. I just think like you want that you want that visual of priest next to Bad Bunny like that that shot at the end of it, and he'll be there. So he you can get to it many ways. It doesn't have to be a tag match. Uh, but before we get to that, it's the Miz and Jeff Hardy, and <laughs> Hardy challenges the Miz to be a real man by sending John Morrison to the back, and Miz agreed. So. Miz had no numbers advantage and proceeded to make rather quick work of Jeff here. Uh, Jeff hit a splash off the turnbuckle and it went for the twist of fate. It was blocked. Hardy's shoulder was sent into the post and Miz hit the skull crushing finale and pinned him in four minutes and 20 seconds. This was like Marine Miz. Yeah, it made Miz look really good. You know, obviously, you know, like it's 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 effective booking for the guy who is supposed to be a featured player and and Jeff Hardy isn't. But man, Jeff really made himself look bad. You know, like it was like you didn't you didn't even have like again, you're you are selling the fact that Morrison will be in Miz's corner and you should be having Morrison like be the assist for Miz to lead to this tag match or singles match, whatever you're going to do, but instead, yeah, it was like Man, you made this one-on-one for no reason, and then you yeah. lost on top of it. I, I do think it, you know they do want to make Miz look somewhat competent heading into this. They do want to give him something. But isn't it funny how, like, <laughs> for months, this dude had the money in the bank. He was about to win the world championship, and they booked him like shit. 
But now he's about to have a match with Bad Bunny, and they we got to get him all serious. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, he's you're not wrong. Like at this point, this close to Mania, this should be the outcome, like given Miz's priority. But yes, you go to mm-hmm. every bit of lead up. Um, th- this could have better served Miz, I think, on a more consistent basis. And then Bad Bunny is back, and he smashes a guitar over the back of the Miz. A much better job than Miz did last week. And then he has fully acclimated himself to WWE verbiage by announcing, I accept your challenge, bitch. They gave him one of the bitches on this show. That that means they're serious about him. Yeah. They say they did bull, they did bitch. Uh, Orton said bullshit at the end. So that's how you know they're, those are the WrestleMania best, time programs. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and then we got the graphic. The graphics department was on top of things. Like someone pointed, boom, we got a graphic ready for WrestleMania. They were all set in uh, the WWE Photoshop lab. Riddle wheels past AJ on his scooter, calling him Skipper. This scooter was going to meet its demise tonight, and I was so excited. AJ and Omos come out, and they do this promo about Omos making his debut at WrestleMania, what he's going to do the New Day, and combining their attributes together. So New Day comes out. Kofi does this British accent. They make a small dick joke. And then they try to push that AJ and Omos don't have any tag team chemistry because they don't even know one another. They ask AJ, do you even know what Omos's favorite color is? And he says, Red! And Omos replies, it's mauve. <laughs> I will say this. I, I don't know if I would be uh, doing this kind of segment with Omos, but the man does have good comedic timing with his delivery. I will say it that. Definitely, it definitely worked here. Um, I, mauve is a great choice of color. That's a color I didn't even really understand until I had to Google it. But, man, you, I think you could buy somebody like Omos to have that level of taste. Well, speaking of taste, his favorite ice cream was not vanilla bean, as AJ guessed. It's peanut butter caramel. And favorite WWE superstar, AJ thinks it's himself. No, Omos is an Andre the Giant fan. Mm. Yeah. And it ended with AJ proclaiming that AJ rocks as he rotated his hips as um, he he never felt more than a 40-plus-year-old father than in this moment. Wasn't he doing this in the Bullet Club? Um, I remember him doing this with Mark Henry and Chris Jericho. What? Really? Oh, yeah. Oh. You can find that image somewhere, that video. Um, so there you go. It's uh, This was a New Day segment. Yes, it was. Yeah. I mean, I thought it added at least uh, some interesting story to the match. You know, they're asking, um, I mean, really highlighting AJ and almost his lack of experience compared to the New Day who have years worth of it at this point. So they did not announce what night this one would take place on, correct? No, not yet. So I wonder, you could do something where, based on how they scripted this segment, that AJ and Omos win the tag titles. The next night, Omos wins the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. I mean, they could, yeah, they could. I, I, I wrestler. like, but I, but I almost think Omos is beyond that at this point. Like, honestly, winning the Andre, uh, just kind of paintbrushes somebody as being an undercard guy. 
And I think Almas is above that. Um, then we had the – this was interesting. They had a CarMax ad with NWO footage from the 90s. And that segued into a plug for the Hall of Fame on April 6th, uh, specifically mentioning Eric Bischoff, but nothing mentioned about the NWO if, in fact, they are going in. They've been very yeah. quiet about last year's class. They've, they're really only promoting this year's class. Yeah, and um, if there's you know no mention of Batista not being on this one. Well, yeah, I don't think they're going to make a note of the fact, hey, by the way, Batista's not going to be going in this year. But I'm but that curious. Would be the natural, natural kind of question for people, right? Like if they announce all the previous members from the last year were going going to be there with like the glaring omission of the headliner, I I wonder if they reconsidered the entire thing. Yeah, and I mean, there's still more names to come for this year's class, and maybe they have. I mean, again, they're taping this in advance in the Thunderdome. You're selling no tickets for it. Why why use a big name for this year's Hall of Fame that it's content on the network and that is it? Mm-hmm. So I, I don't even think – like if this was a year where – this would not be the year to put The Undertaker in or anyone of significance to me. Save that for a year where you can actually sell tickets and do – you know sell out an arena. Yeah. So we got Kofi Kingston and AJ Styles, a lengthy match here. They went almost 14 minutes – uh, some highlights included uh, a trouble in paradise that got stopped with an enziguri by AJ. Uh, Omos was blocking Co- uh, Xavier Woods and just kind of showcasing the size discrepancy. AJ rolled to the calf crusher. Kofi got to the rope. And then AJ drop kicked the knee of Kingston. He sets up for the phenomenal forearm, but gets rattled and trips as Woods plays the trombone. Yes, yes, of course. So Omos goes after Woods, and then AJ readjusts, goes for the phenomenal forearm, but Kingston catches him in midair and hits the SOS and wins the match in 13.55. So the story being that Omos wasn't there to help him, and therefore his chemistry with AJ is in question. Yes, yes. They Omos won, and then AJ blew it. So Can they get along? Yeah, I guess. We're kind of just going for, like... A comedy match where, yeah, the story is can AJ and Omos get along? I think there's some interest in seeing how Omos, you know, they've kept him out of the ring long enough that I think there is some interest in seeing him actually wrestle and how he's booked is, you know, more. I mean, and he's put it, they're putting him in there in a very safe environment with these three. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a smart way to do it where Omos only has to come in and do some big man spots that Kofi and Xavier can bump all over for and just really showcase this man's power and size in a limited way. Like they're going about it the safest way possible for a live match with this guy. It is a really interesting challenge to see how three very talented wrestlers and Xavier, Kofi and AJ can create a great match around this giant inexperienced man. Sheamus was backstage and he is asked why he chose to face Lashley tonight. One night after your no holds barred match. And Sheamus is shocked. He says, I don't back down from any challenge or any fight. I live for the fight. And when asked about Drew coming down, he said, Drew showed respect. There isn't enough of that in this world. And he says, I can't stand Drew. But then all of a sudden comes the obnoxious riddle with his scooter. And he's just asking this guy all these stupid questions, including if leprechauns are real. 
Seamus takes this scooter. And I swear, I know this is not how it was intended, but this was the goddamn babyface turn for John Pollock. I think it was how it was intended, oh, personally. That's how I would have taken this. And what I loved about it was Seamus took his time with this scooter. So you could just wait for it and wait for this scooter to be destroyed. And the the cherry on top was that before he broke it, he nailed Riddle with the scooter and sent him down. And then he just threw it down on the ground, breaking the scooter. I was so happy. Uh, you know, if there was any doubt that he was now a babyface, I mean, well, first look at the continued reaffirmation of his fighting spirit, taking Lashley's challenge despite, you know, being injured from the night before. And... um. To me now, he is elevated to being the top babyface on this show with what he did to Riddle here in this scooter. I do feel like the scooter will make a return, though. You know why I think this match was put together? Why? I swear to God that the finish is going to be Sheamus missing and Riddle beats Sheamus with the brogue kick. Oh, the brogue. I seriously think that's the whole reason that these two have been paired together is for the play on words and nothing more. Well, they are like two people of, I guess, similar caliber on the roster. They'll probably have a fine match. And I mean, it's they, it's a they fine, fine mid-card 10-minute match. match for Mania. They, sure. they have had a fine match on Raw. Like, didn't they have a, a series of them, actually? Like, wasn't Vince super impressed by, by the match that these two had? That's right. They did. They did a while back. Yeah. So, you know, and if this is the main direction, I think um, it's it's good for both guys. Um, I want Sheamus to win this one. <laughs> like, I want Sheamus to beat the shit out of... Well, they're, they're going to beat the shit out of each other. And uh, But I, this, this Riddle character, I hope they do a double turn. I think they did. I think you're right. It was funny, though, about this. Uh, like, given this pretty much three weeks. I mean, the positive is that... Every segment tonight on Raw had a purpose. Everything mm-hmm. was moving towards Mania, and it greatly yep. helped with the pacing of the show. The other side of that is it was like, hey, you looked at me the wrong way. I want to face you at WrestleMania. Like, that was pretty much this show in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. It was come up with any creative or uncreative reason, and you two are paired for WrestleMania. Like, that's it. It, it's very true. Well, especially for the... Well, I'm not even going to say for the undercard because Rhea Ripley and Asuka was pretty much just that. Um, but in the end, like, that's... All that matters is how this show looks on paper, right? You know, like, how many people talk about WrestleMania 17 and, I don't know, like... Remember, like, Chris Benoit and Kurt Angle? Like, that was... There was no... That was thrown that. together on the go-home show. Yeah. And, um, well, anyway. <laughs> so... If it's a match that people can look forward to, I, I, it's sometimes it's better that they don't cram too much story into it. Uh, then WWE, um, this is really humble of them. They they made a big deal about the fact that over fifty billion video views on YouTube. Suck it, NBA! <laughs> Everyone watches our channel. Fifty billion? Huh? Yeah, well, that's a lot. Good for them. <laughs> Is that how many people will be watching WrestleMania? Probably not. Other the planets clips, are going to be tuning in to uh, WrestleMania. <laughs> uh, so the SmackDown promo was all built around the fallout from Fastlane with Reigns and Edge. Um, we did not mention it, but yeah, it's we're, we are going the three-way direction. So I would imagine they're going to make that on Friday. Mm-hmm. You would think. Yeah. Drew McIntyre against Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin. 
Um, it was all right. The first half of this was Drew getting beaten down and then, or sorry, it was the other way around. It was Drew destroying these two for the whole first half until they chop blocked the knee and they got the heat on Drew after the break. He came back, Glasgow kiss on Benjamin, destroys Alexander, future shock onto Benjamin, Claymore, and then Alexander comes off the ropes and he gets hit with a Claymore. Drew wins in 13 minutes and 8 seconds. He sold for like uh, a minute of this 13-minute match. This was just Drew destroying Benjamin and Alexander for a long time. Yeah. Um, I don't really get so mad at this booking because in the end, I you know, you 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 continue to try to make your main event players look as strong as possible. And this did that. But I do think they could have achieved something similar if, you know, it was just Drew having singles matches with both guys like one week after another, you know, after a long, grueling, maybe 10, 20 minutes. But they don't they don't see Shelton and Cedric at those levels. You could pre-tape the singles matches and after he wins, they they just fade off into dust. Um, So they can't show up at WrestleMania like they're just eliminated. Wow. Like that. Yeah. Just like that. Or not. MVP is with Benjamin and Alexander. They're very disappointed. <laughs> you had the numbers advantage and you still lost. Lashley is pissed. So he says, I'm going to find someone that can get the job done. So he walks into the 24-7 locker room. And we just scan the room. Akira Tozawa. Umberto Carrillo. Drew Gulak. Grand Metalik. Lince Dorado. And far right. Ricochet. Yes. The guy who um, the Hurt Business have been, like, had taunted for weeks and weeks. They and recruited weeks. this guy. Yeah. Is this all they had to do is just promise him a title shot? Maybe he's interested now. This poor guy. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's seriously. Like, we look at Akira Tozawa and have, re- like, written him off. Like, the talent in this room, it's it's insane. And they're total yeah. jokes. All of them. I was hoping that Lashley would look over to just the dark room and maybe Aleister Black has a pulse. We also got a sense of like how the locker room is actually laid out here in the WWE where I guess the Hurt Business have like the big locker room and then you just turn the corner and like all the 205 Live guys are gathered like like cramped together in like the little corner. Is that it? Because they're small. I guess they don't need as much space to change. Wow. They got They've got to have a door to be monitoring our truth, and then quickly race out the door and run in in a procession. So, right, right. They've got to have easy access to an exit. Yeah. What do you think Ricochet's plans are for WrestleMania? Uh, I think they do a battle royal this year. I guess. I guess, it's like all like the hair. I think that's about the best you could expect from Ricochet. Like, I don't expect him to have anything of substance. So, yeah, a battle royal, or he's just going to order in the 24-7 segment. Yeah, you'll probably need the 24-7 segment. Maybe they can do a segment where they teach you how to order the show on Peacock, how to log in. He could be there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not even supposed to be here. I've already won. Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler versus Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke. We had Lana and Naomi on commentary, and I thought that their outfits, they were auditioning for, I think, episode four of WandaVision, the 80s one. This was Lana Vision. Very good. Well, they want a rematch. Uh, 
they've been destroyed by this team. I don't know what would warrant a rematch, but you call out a champion, uh, they'll probably accept because they need a match at WrestleMania. So that's that. Reginald's out with Nia, does these backflips down the ramp, and then he'd constantly get involved just doing flips and shit. Um, like, that's his role now is just to come out and all flips. No fists. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this was a really weird match. Um, I get distraction finishes, but man, this was like taking it to the next level. Or a guy just like in full view of the referee would just come in and do a bunch of these like incredible flips. But nonetheless, it was just like it felt, man, it was it was that plus the Shayna interference as well. So it was just too much. I'm going to say this. Um, you know, when I do... Uh... This day in history. You know what happened on this day in history, way? What? It was the Austin Beer Bash with Vince McMahon, Shane, and The Rock. And I was looking at this this show of Raw. And <laughs> after this beer bath, or this beer bash, this is the go-home show for Mania. They do a title versus title match between the Road Dog and Billy Gunn on, like... I don't think any advertising, just yep. New Age Outlaws are going to face each other. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> they proceeded to have among the worst matches you could ever, like worse than anything we've seen this year or last year. It was unbelievably bad. And I go back, it was like, yes, there were some great things going, but overall the wrestling quality, like even when there's matches that we'll, we'll harp on, <laughs> it's so much better. Like this match was a disaster. And these two were a tag team. Like you would think their chemistry would be through the roof. They just screwed up everything. Are you saying this match was better than that? This Nia, Shayna, Mandy, Dana? Match? No, I'm saying this was loads better than Road Dog and Billy Gunn in yeah. 1999. Sure. Okay. So I'm watching this with, with perspective. Um, this is not a great match. It ended in 347 uh, with Nia Jax hitting the Samoan drop after the distraction from break dancing. And Lon and Naomi just repeating, we want a rematch. They didn't confront the champions. They didn't get involved. Nothing. They were just out here. And by default, I guess they'll get a title match. Or they'll just throw I, all the women into some tag title scenario. I certainly hope not because I don't know what uh, argument... I guess Dana and Mandy are on the same level as Ni Lana and Naomi at this point, having just lost. So um, they're they had built up one team semi-strong, and that's Natalia and Tamina. Okay, I guess so. Yeah, I just it feels like there's such a non-presence, you know, on these shows. Um, maybe they'll put them all in. Who knows? But I thought the segment was pretty bad here. It didn't make Shayna and Nia look very good. Having to have way all too this, much going uh, on living. here. It's just it's so just much. all a mess. Uh, and I think Lana and Naomi were very ineffective on commentary. Didn't really say anything. Um, and what, you know, I don't really blame them. How do you call a fucking match with a dude flipping around like half the time uh, who wasn't in the match? But uh, all of it, I just thought was pretty bad. You know what I was really disappointed with is that Lana had the greatest opening after Miro's segment last week that when they were talking about Reginald and Nia. Lana's line could have been the worst thing for your career is having a significant other in your corner. Ah, uh, that would have been great. I was waiting for it. She could that would have been very fun. funny. Alexa Bliss is in her playground. Um, 
she warns Randy that he is still here and to be careful what you wish for. Because all night long, they were promoting Randy Orton summoning the Fiend. Mm-hmm. We were going to headline Raw with a summoning. Yeah, sounds about right for the story. Oh, then we had this. Elias, Jackson Riker, and Shane McMahon are in the ring. Shane explains that he would have destroyed the peanut brain brawn had he not injured his knee. The match will happen once his knee heals. Mentions that Elias did not get the job done, so he's facing Braun again. As Elias tries to make an excuse, Shane warns him, never interrupt me. And then we got a collab between Elias and Shane called Braun is Stupid. And this was awesome because we had to have like a lectern out here so that Shane could read the lyrics uh, that Elias had no problem memorizing. And I thought that was awesome to watch the comparison here. Um, they were in sync. This was a song that was probably uh, very crafted. I don't think that yeah. The Miz and Morrison have anything to be threatened by. No. And then Saxon called this Bizarro Land to write a song that would provoke Braun Strowman. So Toronto finally off the hook. Uh, I think I would hope that we have better musical ability than this. So Strowman comes out and we got the rematch between Elias and Braun Strowman. Braun was destroying him. Jackson Riker got involved. Braun hit the Strowman Express, which now has sound effects. So that you're actually to believe this is an actual train in motion with the big choo-choo. I don't know if you're supposed to believe it, but it's it's something they've they've added for effect, which feels unprecedented. Because we've had, you know, uh, sound effects, I suppose, in entrance themes. We've had guys kind of, like, call out their own s- s- finishers. But we've never had, like, audio from, like, the building pipe in a sound effect to, you know, enhance somebody's signature move. Um, I think it's hilarious. I actually like that spot now. It's just... Can so you imagine funny. Hulk Hogan hulking up in this era? Oh my god, yeah. What would you know what what sound would you make? Like it'd probably be thunder or something. Um This is like a new age of pro wrestling, John. I mean sound effects in, in the body of wrestling matches. He'd do the big U and then Soldier Boy would come out saying, This is fake. Hmm. Yes. Elias lost in three oh seven to a power slam. Shane hit him with the crutch, and it had no effect on Braun. And it was Braun who calls Shane a stupid son of a bitch. So he's no better than Shane. Shane runs away, proving the knee injury was fake. And Braun has had enough of his games and enough of you calling me stupid. I want to end this up there, up there in the ceiling. You see it? WrestleMania. And Shane accepts and will take on Braun in any match that Braun wants because I will win because you are stupid. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So we still don't know Shane's motivation nor the source of his confidence. Um, but they, you know, they, I hope there's justifiable reason for it all. This, this should be an introduction for Shane to manage someone. Like this could be someone sh- like Shane's got something up his sleeve to introduce someone and at least move this on to 
someone benefits out of this Shane character. Yeah, you would think so. Like Shane as a manager, I'm fine with. Sure. This storyline's brutal, but it's whatever. It's it's our Shane McMahon stunt fest. And then we got the greatest tee up for a segment in history. Randy Orton is walking in the back and Byron Saxton completely calm, just like he's teeing up the next uh kaboom of the week notes. After emerging from the abyss of hell last night, the fiend is back and Randy Orton is going to summon the fiend next. <laughs> from the abyss of hell. <laughs> Before we go to the abyss of hell, they announced for night one of WrestleMania, night one live, not at the Murphy Rec Center, but instead at RJ Stadium. Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre, Sasha Banks versus Bianca Belair, and The Miz versus Bad Bunny. Night two has the Universal Championship match and Asuka versus Rhea Ripley uh, with another match to be added after this segment. For I thought two. we were going to get Miz and Bad Bunny two nights in a row here with this graphic screw up at the beginning. Oh my God. So they... they Show the graphic, and then, yeah, Way's right. They show the graphic a second time, then it goes to black, then they show the Universal Championship graphic twice. The MVPs of this were Byron Saxton and Tom Phillips, who were so calm and just were total pros here. I was very impressed. It's a rare screw-up, you know, by by this production team, but uh, it happened at a pretty bad time because... You're you know, very people... confused of like what you're getting. <laughs> no. yeah. You're like lining up the the nights to d- differentiate these matches from the different nights. But hey, I thought Saxton and Phillips. Uh, believe me, I've had my share of uh, live TV having to handle snafus, but these two did a great job. I thought Randy Orton comes out and he said how he watched the Fiend burn. No more mind games. No more bliss. No more Fiend after tonight. The bullshit comes to an end. And out comes Alexa with her musical box. The lights go out. The fiend appears. The swamp man in the ring. Or as Byron says, what's left of him? I Have you seen any of the Randy Orton Austin interview yet? Uh, no. I mean, just the first five minutes. It. It's pretty good. It's really good. But I haven't finished it. But my God, did in my head, I just wanted... Steve Austin, after a few shots of Jack, to be watching this. Now, Randy, this guy's come back from the dead. What's going through your head? <laughs> this is a segment I want Austin to analyze. Do they talk about this at all? Uh, I've watched most of it. There's like 20 minutes left, and they haven't touched on this. But they could have saved it for the end, so maybe. I, I don't know. Mm. I'm up to the... Uh, they went into the edge stuff. It's a really engaging interview. Like, Randy Orton is... Um, I, I think it's a very insightful interview towards Randy Orton. I think people will enjoy it if they haven't seen it. But back to this, uh, what you may not enjoy. Orton stares at the fiend. And out of his uh, sack that he's brought is, uh, you know, gasoline. I love this. Randy smelled the gasoline to make sure it's still gasoline. He <sighs> pours it over the fiend who just stands there. He then gets matches, but instead of matches, he decides, well, I tried to light this guy on fire and it didn't kill him. So what's more lethal? An RKO. 
So he hits him. Alexa enters the ring as the fiend stands up, applies the mandible claw, and then hits Sister Abigail. Randy is down, and then Alexa points to the WrestleMania sign. The audio engineer plays the Fiend's theme music, and we announce for night two of WrestleMania, Randy Orton versus the man from the abyss of hell, the Fiend. Yeah, this was the challenge. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was disappointed by the segment. I I thought somebody was going to. What more can they do? They've done everything. Like, burn somebody. A machine gun? Uh, I thought they were going to burn Randy Orton. That'd be hard. I mean, he has showed amazing recuperative abilities from uh, that fireball to the face that was bandaged for a week. And then last night, zero impact. So fire, he may have built up a tolerance for. He's immune, yeah. They didn't announce anything else beyond this just being a match. But I guess this one has to be something more. It'll be a spectacle. Yeah, for sure. It has to be. Which will be interesting to see how a crowd reacts to a longer taped Fiend segment if they go that direction. I think a portion of it has to be live, given that it's the crowd that's there. But that's something we have not had to deal with with the Fiend over the last year. It's been all no crowds. But at Mania, I do think you need some kind of live element to it. Uh, But it is the match you would expect them to go um, into the abyss from hell. Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the match, the Abyss from Hell. We'll get a Chris Parks cameo or a Joseph Parks cameo. He's there. Yeah. So that was Raw. Um, a lot happened on the show. There was certainly no shortage of stuff to talk about. Everything is building towards WrestleMania. So in that sense, uh, the show's moving. It's moving quickly. Yeah, we have a pretty good sense of the card now. Uh, I wouldn't say that there was any good wrestling to speak of on the show, but I thought a lot of relevant booking. So, um, you know, made that made it worthwhile for that reason. Let's go to some feedback before we get out of here. So tonight's Raw generated a 5.38 from the forum. We'll start off with Daniel. He said a good show tonight. We had Lashley versus Sheamus again. No bother. I will watch any combination of these two and Drew fight forever. Uh, Despite uh, BT. Who's BT? Uh, BT? Despite BT rudely interrupting the match, it was very good and a nice setup for the match, which led to the Mania Stip. I hope a Hurt Business split isn't on the cards, as they've been a highlight of Raw. Oscar and Peyton was decent, then out came B- Rhea. BT, like the channel? Uh, maybe he's talking about BT the channel. Okay, we didn't have that issue here. <laughs> um, I was like, who is BT and when did he run in? Uh Anyway, uh, talks about Rhea here. Didn't think this would set up well, but I'm all for a sudden. Uh, I'm all of a sudden more excited for Rhea versus Asuka than I am Bianca versus Sasha. I'm convinced Charlotte will somehow fit in here. The Miz and Jeff Hardy, clean as a whistle, feel like I would have would have to do some serious searching to find when Miz last won a match clean. There was actual train noises as Braun ran around the ring, which I feel bad for saying I liked. Graphics department were on fire. As The Fiend and Alexa insinuated they're going to WrestleMania, the graphic was there instantly, including a picture of the Mr. Fiend, of Mr. Fiend kindly... Okay. Um, that's his thoughts on the show. <laughs> you try, you're trying... I mean, it seemed like a difficult 
one. Let's go to Nick from Boston who says, Inspired by Shane and Elias, I've decided to leave my usual feedback in the form of a limerick. Tonight's Raw had a bit more direction. The herd business needs some course correction. Reyes' debut is a quick solve. Almost his favorite color is mauve. The only bummer was Crispy Bray's unexplained resurrection. With Fastlane out of the way, the show moved at a far better pace. Intriguing that Bad Bunny versus The Miz is a singles match. You must have a lot of trust and admiration from those backstage. If Charlotte is cleared within the next one to two weeks, I could totally see her being included in the title match, and I wouldn't mind at all. Two strong triple threats on one night could be very fun. Uh, next one here. What age group do you think this product is meant to be aimed at? I sa- I sat through Fastlane. I sat through Raw tonight. I mean, they purposely inputted a train sound when Braun did the Stroman Express tonight. I am 31, and I think I would really have a hard time finding people of my age group to sit through this product at the moment. I think it's it's, it's whatever mental age the, the person at the top is. You know, so maybe, I don't know, six. Who doesn't love train sounds? We got a Kate finally who says sometimes the best option is to go with the obvious choice in the simplest way possible. Asuka's match against Peyton immediately felt like its only purpose was to set the stage for Rhea's arrival and to lay the groundwork for Mania. And that's exactly what happened. The challenge was made and accepted and it was just fine. There is no need to mess around with subplots and extraneous characters. I'm pretty excited to see what these two will do in the ring. Honestly, I hope that WWE just puts together a few video segments on the women that can air over the next couple weeks. Rhea could use a match or two just so that the Raw audience gets to see her in the ring on her own. But less is more. There's very little they have to do to keep this program hot, and the biggest danger is that they do too much. While I'm not going to say no to Drew and Sheamus fighting on Raw, I feel like someone should tell them to stop at this point. Seeing both of them go at it with the wounds from the night before still visible made me feel guilty for how much I've been enjoying seeing the damage they've inflicted on each other and themselves. I'm still not sure how crowds will react to Drew at Mania, but I think the strength of Sheamus' performances recently make it likely he'll get a babyface reaction, especially after he took out Riddle. I feel a bit sorry for Damian Priest, who was positioned very strongly in the Rumble and afterwards, but who, for the moment, appears to have been demoted to Bad Bunny's bodyguard. I know there's still time to change to a tag match, but after doing a great job of making Priest seem like a big deal, they've already stumbled with him. All the more reason I want them to avoid mucking around with Rhea Ripley. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, certainly, you know, Damian Priest, he, he's been off for a few shows now. So, again, we don't know what they're dealing with, that this could all be just trying to deal with who's available, who's not available. There's going to be a lot of that. And there's going to be a lot of these, you know, performers that they're doing something with. And then all of a sudden, boom, they're not available. They've got to navigate around that. So like, I don't know what's, what the deal is with Damian Priest. Uh, We don't know what the deal is with Keith Lee. We do know what's happening with with Charlotte, uh, what she revealed tonight. So I, I think you're going to see a lot of these examples where it sometimes is all over the place, but, We'll see what they have, what the status is of Damian Priest and if they change it or not. I think to what we said, I think you can go either way at Mania. I don't think it's a big difference either way, tag match or singles match. Yeah, I don't think so either. He'll he'll get plenty of spotlight either way, I think. So there we go. What's your, where is WrestleMania for you? Uh, now that we're we're three weeks out, card is starting to to shape up. Where's where's the interest level way? Um, maybe like uh. I want to say six and a half to seven out of ten. You know, I think the on paper the matches seem to be staggered relatively nicely, um, giving you something to look forward to. I would say on both nights, 
Drew Lashley is is shaping up to be a pretty good headliner, as is Reigns versus Edge and versus Brian now. Um, Oscar Ripley is a good match. Shayna and Belair, I think, in ring will be sorry. Sasha and and Belair in ring will be very good. Uh, so you know what they've announced so far looks promising, and yeah, I, I I always have a curiosity to see what sort of a if it is a Firefly Funhouse match, what Bray Wyatt does. I'm also curious about what they do with Bad Bunny, so I'm I'm looking forward to it. Given that they put Banks and Bel Air on the first night, do you see any opportunity, even a small one, that they could end up going on last? Because I would say if they put them on night two, I would say zero percent chance. It's possible. Um, but it certainly doesn't feel like a hotter program than Drew and Lashley right now. Yeah, we will see. It's you know it certainly has that potential. Um, but yeah, as we mentioned on Sunday, they definitely have their work cut out for them with that program. But there you go. That is Raw, and I think everyone now getting a, a sense of WrestleMania, and probably more so to come on on Friday with SmackDown because uh, they've got a very small amount of time. So a lot of people that might be Bumping shoulders backstage, and boom, it's going to be a blood feud to culminate in two weeks' time at WrestleMania. Well, here's another question. How long do you think these shows will each go? This year? I, like, I'm thinking about this in my head, and like, just thinking of the main players, like, how deep are these shows going to be when we're splitting them up over two nights? Like, are you going to even have the bodies to do an Andre Battle Royal? Like, to have... 20 guys that are just around. Um, You know, it's uh, like, I'm not expecting, like last year, both nights, they were reasonable times. Like three hours, I think, is what they topped out around. Mm -hmm. But Uh, no crowds. Another thing is that the the advertising material, they're promoting an 8 p.m. start time for WrestleMania. unlike the usual 7 o'clock time that they start the pay-per-views at. So an hour later. But probably okay. uh, a kickoff before that, of course. Yeah, and I mean, there's still the chance it could go at least four hours. But I would hope that because of this, you know, the days of a seven-hour WrestleMania are over. Oh, um, you're not getting that this year. Yeah, not what not with the show being split into two nights. And I have to think that they they are uh, you know they don't want to burn their audience out after one night. Last so, year, for all the the empty arenas and like those were especially the first night. Very well received show, and the the time, the length, definitely played a factor. I think with people having that, not having that feeling of just hitting a wall midway through the show. So I thought that that was something they could certainly take from last year. That hopefully is applied to this year and give people two, two strong nights and and don't overload it for just one night. I can see a one hour kickoff and possibly a four hour main show. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what the the depth of the cards is, like how how deep these cards go. Like that's like I'm doing it in my head. Like there's not a whole lot of programs to put together. It's all, you know, your title matches and the other key programs are pretty much all in place now. All right. So we will be back on Tuesday with our review of Creed. That will be out Tuesday evening for all members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. And then we're back live Wednesday night, 1015 Eastern after Dynamite. And we will be chatting about that show. So one more time, where can people go for the Bushby and Thompson sale? Bushby and Thompson Wrestling Adventure. Their t-shirt is available 25% off the entire week for everybody at store.postwrestling.com. Uh, the discount will be automatically applied. All right. 
Have a great night, everyone, and we'll speak with you later this week.